You are listening to the North Shore Nine podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Starbucks. I am your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, as always, Jim Rosati. Jim, fresh off your trip to Cincinnati to watch that amazing 14-1 Pirates game. How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. So I was able to sleep it off. Um, yeah. Goodness gracious, it was it was a disaster of a game. How about uh, a way for for Trevor Cahill to make a debut? Man, that was that was rough. That was rough. Yeah, to say the absolute Four, least. <laughs> Fourteen runs, seventeen hits. I don't know if we got. I mean, it really wasn't until Philip Evans came in that, <laughs> that that we actually got. A, I, don't, I think that was our only one, two, three inning. So it was it was bad, though. Yeah, it was not. <clears throat> it was not pleasant. I mean, just from my point of view, the game. I wasn't there to see it live. You know, like you, an actual live baseball game. Um, Yeah, like, like, yeah. Live live baseball was cool to see. I mean, I've, I've been to spring training this year, but you know, spring yeah, training's true. not really like real. You know, like one of the games was only seven innings long. So, right. um, so it was nice to like be in a crowd. I mean, it was a nice crowd yesterday too. So, I think the Reds it's it's twenty five percent capacity. Um, you know, they had they had it was every other row, and then there were. Know, three empty seats basically in between like each grouping of tickets mm-hmm. um so I mean, spread out very you know nicely spread out um but it was if you if you take all that out it was pretty full yeah i, I bet they got pretty close to that 25 percent. interesting yeah well again i mean it's cool i guess it's nice to have live baseball but watching that game it was just I, I want to say, I mean, it was pathetic. It was pathetic. Clearly it was pathetic, right? <laughs> it was pathetic. But this wasn't even the sense of like, oh my God, the Pirates got screwed. Or, I mean, they just got no. baby-bipped like to death. I mean, it amazed me. It was purely amazing how many balls just fell in play for the Reds. So I feel like it was like that for Cahill, right? So like Cahill gave up that just absolute monster of a home run to Tyler Naquin to lead oh, off the game. Right. Yeah. And, and then after that, um, yeah, like that second inning, the Reds just like dinked and dunked him to death. Um, now I feel like though, once the bullpen took over, those were some hard hit balls that were, they weren't just like falling in and, and things like that. Like they were, they were hitting the ball pretty hard um Cahill though did kind of get dinked and dunked to death um other than the two monsters that he gave up to Tyler Naquin like of all people I mean with that lineup you know if you saw someone hit two home runs that night I mean Castellanos of course you know Moustakis maybe no no Tyler Naquin hit two home runs and he wrecked I mean what was the first one like 440 some feet I think the first one, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Great American Ballpark, but, like, in right field, they've got, you know, their their grandstands, and then there's, a, like, an opening where the bullpen is, and then there's a walkway that goes over the bullpen. And, like, the walkway is not – it's not close to the field. Like, it's, it's pretty far back there. And Naquin just pummeled this ball. It looked like it bounced off of that walkway. Um, just an absolute bomb. Like I'm pretty sure it left the stadium because it like it bounced off of there, and I saw it bounce up, and I was like, "That ball's gone. It's, that thing might be in the river." Well, damn. And, and actually, yeah, 454 feet is where it went. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, in context, a 454 foot home run at PNC Park probably bounces off the Riverwalk. True. True. Um, it was. It that's, was way that's gone. Josh Bell territory right there. Right, right. Because I'm not sure how far the river is exactly, but it's right in that territory. 
Yeah. So again, like with Trevor Cahill as his first start, I mean, I hate to use this like as a measuring stick for Trevor Cahill. Um, I mean, no, it wasn't good, but still at the same sense, it was like every time I mean, he's a pitch to contact type guy and every contact that was made just it blooped in. I mean, it was it was like right over, you know, the infield's head too far for the outfielder to come in and get and just just blooped right in there. Base hit. So uh, what a game. What a game. Uh, but I guess let's get past that. So the Pirates are one in four right now. Let's reassess. I joked at you about 54 wins. Maybe uh, maybe we're a little too anxious there. Maybe 54 is too high. Um, the great I prognosticator mean, here, Jim, here. keeps screenshotting these, these videos <laughs> of him on NS9 Live or Starbucks to say, see, I told you guys. Yeah, and I, I'm just doing that to be funny. Like, I, I, it's it's um, it's gonna be a rough year. I have a feeling there are going to be better times. Like, there's going to be some wins that we that we string together. It's just we haven't seen it yet. Um, opening day was nice, right? Opening day, kind of the offense and the pitching all came together. Uh, but then since then, <laughs> this offense has been terrible. Um, I mean, there is. I mean, Philip Evans and Colin Moran and Brian Reynolds are all doing pretty good. Um, but that's it. No one else is hitting. Um, so, so especially, you know, you're getting stretches of this lineup where, you know, yesterday it went Stallings, Gonzalez, Alford, pitcher spot. And that was Dustin Fowler got a pinch hit single. That was the only time any of those guys, you know, did anything productive. So um, when you have large stretches of your lineup, you know, going over three over four every day, um, it's going to be hard to score runs. And then when you've got, when you give up 17 hits and 14 runs, well, probably not going to win any games. (laughs) You're not going to win many games there. If you're giving up 14 runs, but, you know, I mean, this this offense looked promising in spring. You know, I would say, obviously, the offense was the strong suit in spring training. You know, the, the hits were flying. The runs were being scored. Um, but now we're in real baseball. Real baseball matters. And, yeah, you're seeing where, I mean, hey, Kevin Newman's not batting 600. He's batting 222. You know, Adam Frazier, 167. Uh, not to say that those are going to be the standard. And that's what you're going to see the rest of the year. But, you know, that's the top of the lineup has, you know, a little bit of concerns there. They're not hitting. Uh, Reynolds is doing pretty well. Moran, Evans, obviously Hayes when he first, you know, was here playing. But then, right, it's, it's a complete drop-off again. Um, we thought the defense was going to be a strong suit. Um, and, and I guess when I say that, like, it's – so, like, when we tie the, the defense and the bullpen, saying it's going to be a strong suit of the team, right, put perspective on it once again. This team is bad, so that's going to be the stronger part of a really, really bad team. So when we say that, it doesn't mean that this is going to be good. We're not here saying top five bullpen, uh, top five defense, but the defense was supposed to be better. It was supposed to be improved upon from last year. Um, One of the mediocre parts of this abysmal team, right? I've seen absolutely nothing to support that right now. This defense looks worse than it has been. And honestly, I think it starts with Adam Frazier. To me, this this defense, atop with Adam Frazier, just looks lost and awful. Yeah, I mean, Frazier didn't technically make any errors yesterday, but there was a double play ball that he he botched that should have had. You know that that was easy, um, easy double play ball, and he you know they only got one out of it. And, and yeah, he has not looked good at second base at all. Um, I will say defensively, like Philip Evans looked pretty good out in right field yesterday. He actually had some nice jumps on balls, but then there were some that he didn't, right? So it, it was one of those where he was inconsistent. Yeah, just overall, the, the defense hasn't done anything astound, like outstanding yet, though, like you know, we haven't seen the they haven't done pool. anything average yet, yeah. really either. Yeah, we, you know, we like haven't Adam seen like them. that's a typical like an average almost play to make yesterday in that double play. Just catch that ball. I know it was a bounce, but like you got to make yeah. that play. You oh, know? Yeah. 
and I'm not going to hold the title over his head. You're a gold glove second baseman. But like this guy was up for the running for a gold glove, you know, one year. He's looked completely the opposite since then. Right. Yeah. I mean, the guy was a gold glove finalist and he, he has not looked anywhere near that yet this year. Um, so yeah, it's hasn't looked good. Um, defense hasn't looked good. You know, we mentioned the bullpen, the thing with the bullpen, it's, it has, it has its strengths, but, mm-hmm. and I said, this is where, this is where just the overall lack of depth is going to play a role in that, um, you know, if these starting pitchers are only going to go four innings, four, five innings tops, you're going to need four people to come out of that bullpen and, and shut things down. All it takes for a game to, to slip away from you is for one of those four or five relievers you're using that, that given day to be off. Um, so so that's going to be the issue. Point one innings and give up five runs. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you saw it yesterday. I mean, obviously, you know, we, the Pirates were already down seven to nothing at that point. But, you know, you bring Clay Holmes in in the fifth inning and, yeah, he can't even get more than an out, right, before you have to pull him just because he's getting shelled to death. Um, you know, so it, it only takes one of those. Like in, in those games where you need your bullpen to give you four or five innings, it only takes one guy to be off um, and, and you lose the game, right? So uh, that <laughs> – I think that's kind of what I was referring to when I was mentioning this pitching staff in general, like they're going to need people to pitch nine innings every game and like nine effective innings. And like, yeah, could they get a few people to pitch an inning here and inning there? Sure. Um, But they've got to, they've got to get nine innings worth of outs. And so far they haven't shown that they can do that effectively. Yes, I I agree. I mean, there is some, I think we are looking, and obviously the season is short, and I get that, but we are looking at this bullpen. We are seeing some performances, and there is some talent in that bullpen. I mean, you can actually get excited, I think, about some guys in the bullpen not, you know, for the future stuff. But collectively, as a whole, like you said, you know, when most of your pitchers can't go deep, that's going to be a concern all year, not just because it's early in April as well, uh, just the, the type of pitchers that the Pirates have, especially of Mitch Keller who just can't throw a strike. You know, you're going to have four or five inning outings from these starters, and then you're going to have four or five inning outings from the bullpen. And collectively as a unit, you got to have a strong bullpen to do so. And, you know, with, with a few guys in there that are really, really good, it seems, it's not going to hold up because you're going to have to have Clay Holmes. You're going to have to have Underwood. Listen, Underwood impressed me uh, seeing him so far, but there's still reasons why he was available, you know, uh, and he is a pirate right now, not another team. Um it's going to be a long season. Uh, you know, he gave up the two runs last night, five hits. Uh, Clay Holmes, there's a reason he didn't make the, you know, the 40 man to begin with. Now he's here for depth and such. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, like I said, like the bullpen being a strength of this team, I still still see parts. Like there's still things to be positive and excited about in the bullpen collectively as a whole. I mean, they gave up seven runs last night. The game before, they gave up some runs. Um, the defense has looked terrible. Um, so I, I, yeah, this, this is a bad team. I, I think they're showing it right now. This is why people like Jim picked 54, <laughs> uh, still to me, I'm still sticking with my 61 as of now, but I think it's clear to see like the pirates are bad. This isn't a team that's going to be competing for a wild card spot. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely not. Um... I, I just, you still see some, you know, some people out there like, well, if Todd Frazier was on the club, they could be for a wild card spot. Um, you know, you know, no. Yeah, we go back, go back, going back to the defense too. I think you know Hayes not being in there, you know, also hurts the defense in general. Uh, I just pulled up. I mean, it's only five games here, but as a unit, the Pirates' defense is at negative eight defensive runs saved. Negative we're just eight five games in. This is defensive five runs games. saved in five games. <laughs> so. The defense has been eight runs basically below average through five games. That's that's pretty pathetic. If there's a team that cannot afford to give runs away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. 
Um, the walks too, you know, kind of have been killing them. They were a little bit better yesterday, but too many walks just in general. Well, I mean, you know, so you know, who needs a walk when you're going to get a base hit every time. Right. Yeah. Uh, like let's transition here a little bit. I mean, let's stick with the bullpen here. So the pirates do make a trade. They make a trade with the angels. They give up cat. They give up cash considerations. Um, to get Kyle Keller from the Angels. So I guess just with that move, interesting. Kyle Keller to me is an interesting piece. Um, but I think what's even more interesting in that sense is it was at the expense of Edgar Santana. So Edgar Santana gets DFA'd uh, to go ahead and acquire Kyle Keller. Um, I guess let's just start with Kyle Keller first, and then we'll get into Edgar Santana stuff and whatnot. I mean, so what's your take on Kyle Keller here? Because to me, I I like the move. I mean, for the what the Pirates are doing, I mean, this is this is almost like that typical, again, like Neil Huntington type of reliever. You know, he's he strikes out a lot, he walks a lot, you know, he's gonna be like that reclamation almost. You know, this is a Neil Huntington type of move right here to me. Uh, not knocking it by any means. I mean, Neil Huntington actually supported and built some pretty good bullpens. Um but yeah, like when I look at Kyle Keller, he's got some control issues. He walks, but he strikes out a lot of people. Uh, I'm intrigued by this arm. Yeah, I mean, he throws hard. Um, didn't really get to see him a lot in 2020, right? He only threw two games, but played a little bit in 2019. Um, yeah, I mean, fine. I'm fine with, you know, taking a flyer on the guy. Um He's got he's got two pitches that you know fastball curveball seems like they're you know they're not bad pitches or anything like I'm looking at his statcast numbers here and you know there's there's no red on this page so that's always like the first <laughs> thing you want to see is like there's no red on this page so that's that's a good thing um, so so yeah who knows I'm 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 cool with the the acquisition um, I don't think it's going to end up we'll get to the second part of the transaction, but I don't think it's going to end up costing the pirates anything. Um, so might as well just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it was about 94, 95, but the, the fastball sneaks an 80 mile an hour curveball <laughs> in there. I mean, both have some decent stuff to them. You know, he, he's got mm-hmm. a bit of the spin rate. Like he's got some of the metrics that you look for when he's, you know, he's 27 years old. Um, as a matter of fact, put it this way, he will be 28th this month on April 28th, which is my birthday. So, yes, Kyle, Kyle Keller and myself will be both turning 28 this month. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, so he'll turn 28 this year. So, like, again, it's not like he's young by any means, but like his minor league numbers, you know, they, they do impress you. Um, in a sense, the other strikeouts and such, the, the ERA, like those numbers were decent, you know, as the reliever, uh, he, he makes the majors. There's some, you know, to be desired, but overall I I do, I do like what this guy can potentially give. And we're not looking like he's going to be a closer such, but he's going to be depth. I can see him being better than Clay Holmes. Which I mean, just like pretty much every other, I mean, if we're looking at, just like everybody else, it kind of seems like, you know, walks walks are the issues. He does walk a lot of batters, so he's going to have to strike out people if he doesn't want those walks to hurt him a lot um, and avoid home runs. So, you know, the the uh, the FIPS aren't great, you know, because of those walk numbers. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, if you can get the walks under control and not give up home runs, then, you know, you're looking at somebody who may be somewhat effective. But I think at the end of the day, this is just, it's another guy that they're bringing in who they're going to need just people to throw innings. And and he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to throw some innings later this year, probably. True. That that's all true. He's going to be able to throw innings. Mm -hmm. You know, he does walk. So let's transition to the other end here. So the guy that, you know, was basically released, right? DFA to make this move happen was Edgar Santana, who is an arm. I mean, he can also provide innings. But the thing about Edgar Santana is he also he is a guy who doesn't really walk a whole lot of guys. Um, so 
to me, uh, I'll start off with this thing too. Like to me, I was actually pretty surprised. Edgar Santana was DFA'd. Um, I think it might be funny. I mean, let's let's kind of think about this. Edgar Santana is 29 years old. Uh, for everyone out there, that's I think is maybe a bit shocking. You know, this isn't obviously a young kid coming up. Um, but this was a guy in the bullpen in the minors. It wasn't like he was a top prospect by any means, but certainly had promise. You know, I think a lot of people viewed Edgar Santana as a future staple of this bullpen. Well, now we're in the future. Now he is 29 years old. Uh, I know, obviously, he had Tommy John surgery. Then he's trying to come back last year. He got hit with PEDs, so he's suspended for the full season. Um, so this is almost like, I'm not going to say it's a redemption, but this is like his his time to come back to prove himself that, yes, you know, I'm still Edgar Santana. I belong in this bullpen. Um, the Pirates decided not so fast <laughs> to, to begin with. They, you know, went right ahead. He didn't make the club. And now they DFA'd him. So... Again, like coming back 2018, last time he was healthy, he put together a very productive season. You know, this isn't an all-star by any means, but 66 innings pitched, 3.58 ERA, um, you know, 0.7 war. I mean, he was a solid reliever. So why Edgar Santana? Yeah, I think it's just – I don't think teams are going to – to actually pick him up um i i think he clears waivers so and i think thing too like as far as like why did the pirates choose him but and we don't know really what edgar santana looked like you know in in spring training workouts and things like that like maybe he just isn't the same guy right i mean the pirates would know that you know based off of what they see we saw him a little bit in spring training and he didn't look good right he got he got hit pretty hard so Maybe he isn't the same guy, first off. Um, he hasn't pitched in two years. So like, you got to remember that last time he threw a major league pitch was 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a while. Again, you mentioned the age. He's 29. I don't know. I, I actually I could see him squeezing through waivers here. I don't know how many teams are going to – I don't know how many teams are going to – drop it you know they would have dropped someone else to pick up your santana a guy who hasn't pitched in two years so i don't i don't know how many teams would be willing to do that um there may be one out there but i don't know i, I just have the feeling that he clears waivers um and just gets reassigned you know to to minor leagues so i i don't think we lose santana here i guess it's possible but again a two-year layoff. There's not a lot of pitchers out there where you're like, okay, let's acquire this guy who hasn't thrown in two years. Right. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you everything you said. I I agree with. I, I believe in that sense. Um. So you know, when it comes to to my viewpoint on this, you know, I was initially shocked. Like to me, it almost was as if, why not just dump Clay Holmes or why not just dump Michael Feliz? You know, because even though you have to, you know losing them and such not putting any like not seeing anything just looking at based off of previous stuff i I feel like i would rather have edgar santana here than michael feliz i mean for one two even though which is funny edgar santana is two years older than michael feliz again like put in perspective and and realizing things he's two years older than michael feliz but feliz has a lot less control you know even though santana is older he's only you know a little bit over two years service time so you have more control with him um, but that, that, again, that's all my viewpoint. That's all the stuff that I can see, you know, to me, Edgar Santana has actually at least had success as a reliever. Whereas Michael Feliz still just can't seem to put it together. Clay Holmes still just can't seem to put it together. But so again, like, I guess to support your statement here, I think this does speak more to what we haven't seen so far. And what the pirates have seen is, I mean, with him not making the club to begin with, and now them being DFA'd, right, they must be looking at him, and he just must not be the same Edgar Santana. And if that is the case, like you said, Jim, you know, he hasn't pitched in how long? You're probably right. I mean, he probably does pass. I mean, he, he is up, and there is a risk that the Pirates don't retain him. But, you know, there's a good chance that he can sneak through, and he's still with the Pirates, and I get that. So, yeah, I, I think, too, like, initially this this shocks me 
But I think this does speak more to, I guess this really is how the Pirates view Edgar Santana right now. You know, seeing him live in camp, seeing him live pitching, he just must not be close to that 2018 Edgar Santana as I think maybe we're just expecting him to be. And I think the other thing, too, that may have played a part in it is, again, you're going to need people to pitch innings, right? And Edgar Santana has always been kind of like a one-and-done guy, right? He, he he doesn't get stretched out. Like, you don't – Edgar Santana isn't somebody you bring in to, you know, go like two and a third innings or something like that, right? Um Whereas somebody like Clay Holmes, right? I mean, you even saw yesterday, mm. even though Clay Holmes got shelled, right? Um, or, or let's 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 not say Clay Holmes because he only went a third of an inning. But let's let's talk about Underwood, right? So Underwood didn't look good either, right? But he still got seven outs, right? Um, which that alone is valuable, right? Uh, you don't have to waste other arms to, to, to pitch in this blowout of the game. Right. So I, I think they want people who are able to throw multiple innings and, and, you know, one, one reason, which is why, you know, Clay Holmes may even be on the team is just for that one sole purpose. Um, and, and Santana has never really done that throughout his career. You know, he, he has, you know, less innings pitched than he has appearances, you know, for, for his career. So he, he isn't really a, a long reliever type guy. He is a, let's put you in for an inning and, and then get you out of there. But that, right. that could have played a role. I don't That's know. Good point. You know, like I said, I, I think, I think it really just comes down to, like I said, the, the pirates know they're going to be bad this year. Right? <laughs> they just, they just they just need to find enough guys to pitch these innings. And okay. I guess they think Keller can do more than Santana. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that know? doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Um by any means. Uh, I guess again, the, the, the surprise was more of like the Feliz, Clay Holmes, and Santana. Um, yeah. Which again, like, I, and this is another thing. Like, I'm not butthurt over anything. This is like Todd Frazier all over again. Um, I'm surprised on it, right? I was assuming one thing were to happen opposed to the other, but because Edgar Santana was DFA, it is what it is. You know, I mean, even though I'm talking about this and I'm surprised, it's not as if I felt like Edgar Santana was going to be this this animal in the bullpen. You know, and and like you know, he, he, we need to keep him because he's going to have such trade value at the deadline and such. I mean, he's just a guy, um, a guy that just seemed to be con- more controllable and cheaper and potentially better than some of the other guys that's all so it just is what it is Edgar Santana is DFA'd uh, and as Jim points out there's probably a good chance he's going to return anyways um but I mean also Jim we have to just point out and realize also I mean we're talking about bullpen arms Philip Evans is, is the guy right like when you talk about showtime when you're talking about making an appearance, tuning into a game, there's Shoei Otani, and then there's Philip Evans, right? And to point out, Stilo City is the guy who I saw on Twitter who actually made this uh, um, comparison, which I didn't think about. The only two guys in baseball yeah. this year to hit a home run and pitch in the same game. How about that? Yeah, how about that? Um, Philip Evans doing it all. Um, apparently, you know, I saw, um, who was it yesterday, um, who, who tweeted out that I guess this is, this is something that the pirates have actually like planned for, um, (laughs) that like Philip Evans was going to be one of their kind of like designated position player, uh, pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about Gerard from uh, from DK Sports. Mm. So so he uh apparently Philip Evans was asked in spring training what pitches he threw. And and <laughs> Philip Evans said, I've got the Ephus, the <laughs> sidearm slider, and then the Ephus up top. So he changes the eye level. <laughs> <laughs> he really thought this through. Yeah, so um so Philip Evans with his Ephus and his sidearm slider, um Came in there, and I'll say this: like the first thing I noticed about Philip Evans on the mound 
is like he's not there to screw around. Like he's there to get the ball to the plate. No time in between pitches. He literally like was catching the ball from the catcher and then just throwing it right back to him. He was he was the fastest pitcher I've ever seen. And, um, and to get to efficiency as well, right? <laughs> a full inning, yeah. three guys out, five pitches. Five pitches. Why is I mean, he not the, going the, guy, the distance? I mean, shouldn't we be stretching him out to be a starter? Yeah, I mean, the dude threw strikes. He got people to swing. Um, and, and yeah, one, two, three. three. I think they were all three flyouts. Yeah. Showtime, baby. Philip it, was, Evans. Uh, it was Todd Frazier couldn't do this. Are you kidding me? No, no, he couldn't. So, um, and I guess to go back here, and of course, a bit facetiously. So, the whole thing we joked and talked about was it seemed as if the Pirates made this move, right? Like it was Philip Evans over Todd Frazier, more or less because of versatility, where Frazier was more or less like your corner. You know, Philip Evans can play. We didn't think about pitching. I mean, Philip Evans also pitcher. So, even more reason and understanding of why Todd Frazier is, uh, is just waiting to make this club, and Phil Evans is dominating on this club. Phil Evans leads the team in weighted runs created plus, and he has a zero point zero zero ERA. There it is. The guy, the guy, get out of here, Shohei Otani. You're not even good enough. Great value, Philip Evans. When's the ne- next Sunday night baseball on ESPN? It should be just a random Pirates game. When do, when do the Pirates play the Angels? <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> Showy versus Philip Evans versus Shohei Otani. Right. Head to head. All right. So that's, yeah. So, so we talked about the bullpen here. Talk about the Keller edition. Let's talk about the other Keller. Let's transition there Ugh. because, all right, let's go back into the offseason mode. Um, you know, I think all of us had a little bit different viewpoints on him. I was probably a little more optimistic in the sense of, his stuff is so good, you know, like I'm not saying he's going to be an ace, but his stuff is good. I was expecting a solid season this year. Uh, Tyler made some really good points and I almost agree. Like he understands the stuff is good, but his thing was more or less just like whatever he's doing in majors just isn't working though. Like it just, it's not there. He doesn't know why or what's going on. Um, maybe we can talk and maybe we're seeing a little what's going on here in my viewpoint too, which I think a lot of people on Twitter kind of agree to this as well, but like just watching his last start, like this stuff is still good. You know, the guys were whiffing at his, at his stuff. I think, um, I don't know. I got to pull it up here. I lost it uh, with the red stuff, but I think they're, they're with like 20, 30% of the stuff that he threw um, decent, but he just does not trust his stuff at all. I mean, this guy pitches, so so scared he just refuses to enter the strike zone on anything yeah and and you know who it kind of reminds me of and and this is you know going back a little bit but um ian snell was kind of the same way or like no (laughs) and 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 if you guys remember Ian Snell, like the dude had some good stuff, right? Um, had good stuff. And when he put it together, he he looked like a pretty good pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem with Ian Snell, I felt like, was he would always kind of dance around the zone. He would never go into the zone. I mean, Ian Snell had a 3.4 war in 2007. So he had a really good season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he was like, also he, that he year is, too, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had a 376 ERA, was started 32 games, struck out almost 200 batters. Mm-hmm. So, like, Ian Snell, that's, that's the, the comparison here. It, it's like, I feel like that's kind of what that, that was kind of the first thing that popped in my head it was like, this dude can get people out he just needs to throw strikes yes um and and like attack hitters that's that's what he's doing he's not attacking hitters um which again like he talked about it in spring right keller had some interviews where he was like i just need to change my mindset and just trust my stuff and he's just it seems like he's not doing it um he's still he's still being very deliberate um about everything he's you know he's just he's just not he's not attacking 
Um, and he's got the stuff where if he did just attack, it it would play because uh, you've seen it. Like when, it, when it, the stuff throwing, is good, right? I mean, guys do miss it. Yeah, yeah, the stuff is good. Um, I, I don't know if it's just a command thing or if it's a confidence thing. The guy just needs to have some success, honestly. Like he needs to he needs to like have a start where he just like goes out there and shoves. Yeah, because I think until that happens, he's always going to just have this. It's always just going to be in his mind that, you know, why aren't I putting it all together type of thing? Um, Because clearly the guy's talented. He's got the best stuff on the team, you know, as far as the rotation goes. And he just just needs to attack hitters more, like live more in the zone instead of of just dancing around all over the place. Right. And that's why I do. Like I, I really yeah. feel like you said, is it, you know, his, his the command or whatever. I, I just feel like it is. It's all mental to me. It just seems mental. I mean, and even like his presence on the mound. And like there is a comparison mm-hmm. on uh, just to bring this up real quickly. But I just want to say, too, we're talking about people are impressing. Oviedo. Like, yeah. just for one, just to put out there for a Wolf 5 pick, guy who's never pitched above high, 21 years old. He looked the complete opposite. Of like Mitch Keller. I mean, this guy's stuff was was good also seeing it. But like you want to talk about the balls he had and just how I almost feel like he in Pittsburgh's market. I mean, we saw I'm not saying to this degree, but I feel like he's going to be scrutinized upcoming at some point. He just looked like he was having fun out there, too. Like he looked like he was enjoying himself on that mound. Nothing was phasing me and him. And he looked like he was having fun, too. Where Mitch Keller does not look like he's having fun at all. He he looks like he wants to go back into the dugout and get this over yeah. with. Um, but yes, like that's why to me it seems a lot mental, and that's why I also I, I want to ask something, present something here, because I know it's not his role, his job, right? But the Pirates do bring in John Baker as the farm director this year. Now, John Baker is brought in. He's over the Cubs. He's the mental skills coordinator with them. There's a lot of stuff mentally. Like, is there is there need for like? John Baker, take a step out of your day. Take a moment out of your day. Get with Mitch Keller. Because to me, this is something that like Oscar Marine can't fix with Mitch Keller. You know, it's to, to have the comparison to like Tyler Glass now, right? Like Tyler Glass even said a lot of times that the Pirates would tell me a lot of the same things. Is it more of just a mental, a mindset, something else? I mean, that that Keller has to do because I don't feel like Oscar Marine can fix this. It's not the pitching. It's not that. It's just the mentality. It's his mental state that needs to be fixed. But I think it's more on Keller than anything. Absolutely. I mean, the an answer to the question, I mean, it, it, I think, yeah, I think Baker should be involved here, you know, in this situation. So, um, you know, he's, he's excelled at that role in the past. And, you know, we've got a pitcher here where, you know, he doesn't demonstrate that mound presence. Like, and, and it's weird because, like, you know, you can look at stat cast numbers and you can look at all these things, right? But it doesn't tell you the full story on Mitch Keller, right? Um, because, you know, and this is kind of where there's still a human side to the game of baseball, right? It isn't all just analytics and data. Like, Mitch Keller needs to just have confidence and know that he belongs here, right? You mentioned Oviedo, right? Like Oviedo pitched like he thought he belonged in the major leagues, right? Um, Yes. Whereas Keller, as you mentioned, you can just look at him and like you don't see that. uh, You you know, like with Garrett Cole, right? Like you watch Garrett Cole pitch and it's like, this Offense. guy is just locked in. He's he is focused on getting these batters out and nothing else, right? He's not he's not overthinking anything. He's not, he's just out there and he is going to just be better than you, right? Um like that's that's what Keller just needs. He needs that that edge. He doesn't have that edge to him. Um and I really think that's all he needs. Like he just needs to I go out there and agree. just be like, and just be like, you know what? I'm better than you. And I'm going to get you out. 
And so like, this is why I think it's, it's just so important that he just experiences some success because like I said, up to this point, we've seen all this stuff that he can do, but it's still not, it's still not playing. Right. So he, right. he, he just, he needs to taste some success. I think once that happens, he could become a totally different pitcher, but right now it's just in his head. All right. At what point is someone, at what point am I going to walk two batters in a row and then give up a three run Homer? You know, like that's, I feel like that's just kind of like constantly going through his head right now. And he's just, he just needs to go out there and let his stuff play. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, I agree. Actually some comment made me joke here. Uh, Mitch said, Mitch, not, not Mitch Keller. <laughs> Mitch, not Mitch says, uh, Keller should watch some Rocky series or yeah, he should watch the Rocky series on repeat all weekend. Uh, that I could get with. If I mean, yeah, if yeah. I watch the Rocky series, I'll probably be pumped up. I might be pumping ninety six on the on the gun if I watch the Rocky series. Um, and, and what yeah, he also Mitch, says to, yeah. oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, he's bringing in like AJ Burnett, right? Another another guy. Like, I mean, you could talk about Burnett. You could talk about Cole, whoever it is. Chris Archer, even to a point, like Chris Archer. Like, oh yeah, like that. You know, he he. His problem was he has a presence. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, he has a presence on the mound, right? So that's that's what that's what Mr. Keller needs to have a mound. He needs to establish himself. Like this is my this is my mound. This is my baseball field, and I'm going to get you out. Um, And until he does that, we're just going to keep seeing this dancing around thing. He just needs to attack, attack, attack. I agree. And I just want to bring up something too, because, you know, Mitch said it, and I saw that somewhere uh, on Twitter too, but bring in like AJ Burnett in. Uh, I mean, uh, for one, AJ Burnett being on the Pirates organization somehow, I would be for, like, regardless, somehow or another. I mean, he's a great guy. Um, but as far as, again, I, I saw this in the sense of bringing AJ Burnett to help like Mitch Keller. I don't know if that really is the answer either, because to me, like AJ Burnett has that, that you're absolutely correct. That's why you would want to bring him in because AJ Burnett mentally, he was going to make you sit the F down, you know, like he did not have that problem at all one bit, but I don't know if that's again, what's going to be different from AJ Burnett from Oscar Rain to whomever is in, you know, Mitch Kittler's ear right now or helping him out. Like just because you have it, let's go to Michael Jordan. In this sense, just because you have it doesn't mean you can, you can coach it or develop it or such, you know, like, I don't know if AJ Burnett's going to come in here and help Mitch Keller. Like he can tell him all this stuff too, and what he did, but you can't like change that mindset. Like, you know, just cause you have it doesn't mean you can help someone fix their, their issues in that sense. That's why to me, like John Baker apparently has these skills. Like this is his expertise almost in helping these guys. Um, or as Mitch earlier said, like a sports psychologist, like to me, that's something that Mitch needs more someone who can help that, not just someone who had it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm absolutely with you. Like, I just think that's really the final step of Mitch Keller. Like he has everything like this is the, to make the comparison, like the Tyler glass. Now, like there's just like this one piece missing. And if that piece is there, you could see like this guy being a really, really good pitcher. And for Mitch Keller, it's just the mental. Like if he can go out there and have that confidence and, you know, challenge guys and think like you said, like I'm better than you, I will strike you out opposed to, I'm scared. I'm nervous. You know, let me nibble. Let me try to, let me try to get you swing at something that's bad, you know, and not challenge any of the guys. You're just going to see more and more of this. Uh, so like you said about success too, to real quickly, I mean, do you feel that might be an option down the AAA to get him going once that season starts as well? Or are we just like, we're past that find it here in the majors. I think, you know, I don't know Mitch Keller personally, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know if I can answer that question because I think that depends on the person, you gotcha. know, uh, I, I think, I think some people you can be like, okay, we're going to send you down so you can like learn success again. And then they go and they pitch a seven inning shutout in triple a, and then they're like, okay, this is what it's like. And then they may be good to go. I don't know if Keller's like that. Right. Um, so, so we don't, I'm not sure what would be the best approach, but he needs he needs to taste success. I mean, that's that's essentially what it comes down to. Right. He needs to have a game or like a string of a couple games where he, um, where he 
you know, he wins. He, I don't even, I don't care about win stats, but like Mitch Keller needs a win, right? <laughs> like Mitch Keller needs to, to, to win a game. Well, he needs floor. to go out there. <laughs> he, he needs to, he needs to shut down a team um, and maybe do it like one or two times in a row. And then you may see like a totally different Mitch Keller from that point forward. Yeah, potentially. Yep. And I'm with you too. Like my, my concern too, is if you option them down, it's not as if like the Tyler Glasshouse situation, like you got to work on things, you know, physically developmentally, um, you know, I, I could see him going down he's in his comfort level. So he's fine. Well, it's triple a, I, I have a confidence. I know I can do it here. And you bring him back up. Like he could have, he could have a perfect game. He had two perfect games in triple a. I just feel there's that potential still. He comes back to the majors and you know, he clenches up again. Like, uh, but I haven't had success here and I'm still nervous, you know? So uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure if that also is um, potentially what can help him out as well. If an option down the AAA would. So, all right, well, there's Mitch Keller. Um, I think also maybe to wrap this up a bit here. So let's transition to uh, another talk around town. Seems like everyone's very polarized. It's, I mean, everyone's been polarizing this player, but it's even more heightened right now. Gregory Polanco. The Gregory Polanco is making $11 million on this club. It's a lot of money for this club. Gregory Polanco is also, what, one for 14 right now? Six strikeouts. Um, so not good, right? <laughs> not good. Not good. So I feel like you have... Half of Pirate fans saying, play him, play him, right? The exit velocity is there. You can see stuff from him. He presents, you know, the, the potential trade value. Play him, play him, play him. And then you have a lot, the other half, more or less, of he stinks, he sucks. Either bench him or I think more on the board, just DFA him, like get rid of him, let the kids play, let someone else get in there. He stinks, move on. Um, very split. So can we make the definitive answer for everyone right now? What needs to be done with Gregory Polanco? Um, I mean, they need to play him at least for a little bit longer, but, but if it's June 1st, you know, and he's still hitting, you know, in the one hundreds, whatever it is, um, at that point, you know, then, then you're in DFA territory, but we're not there yet. We're, we're, we're five games into the year. Um, you know, they're facing pirates have a righty today that they're facing. So I would imagine, you know, put Polanco back in that lineup. You gave him an off day yesterday against right. the lefty. I, I think Polanco needs to be out there against right-handed pitching. Um, at least for, for the first two months, you know, give him, give him two months here. If he had, if he's not performing after two months, though, then then I will fully jump aboard the DFA train. But and, we're not there yet, not even close. Right, and I support that because mm-hmm. that's that's correct. That is the correct take on Gregory Polanco. For for one, if you were going into this season with Gregory Polanco on your club, right, and Gregory Polanco as the right fielder, five games doesn't change that. I don't care. Like five games does not change it. And whatever club you're on, five games doesn't change anything. 14 at-bats should not change your mind. You shouldn't have on April 1st said, Gregory Plonk is my right fielder. And now on April 6th saying, we're DFAing you. I mean, you want to talk about extremes, right? right. That's an extreme. You don't go as a starting right fielder and then DFA'd in five, in five games. So that's part of it. The issue with Gregory Polanco is we know he's done it. We know the potential that's in there. He's got one more year. He's paid regardless. Put him out there and play. He could. The odds are very low. I get it. All right? And even with this, you're very, very low on Gregory Polanco. I'm a little bit higher on Gregory Polanco. But the thing about me, and I'm going to say it, like, let me make sure this is clear. All right? I'm, I'm high on Gregory Polanco. I should say high. Higher than you on Gregory Polanco because... I know what he can do. And like, like when you talk about the exit velocity, like when he makes contact, he, he just, he pumbles the ball, you know, like good stuff happens when he makes contact. The issue with him is he doesn't make contact anymore, uh, which is a skill. 
Um, now, obviously, I'm going to say as far as health, his arm looks terrible still. So I get that. So maybe he's more suited for a DH role, all right, which limits his, his trade value. But there's – I would rather spend – I mean, you're spending $11 million. I'd rather utilize and have him in the field to try to see what Gregor Polanco we have this year to make that next decision, if he has trade value or not. Because if you DFA Gregor Polanco right now and someone picks him up for $500,000 – and then he turns into the Gregory Polanco of old. Are we going to hear the same Yenzers, the same people going, oh, that's just the usual case. The Pirates let go of the player and he has success somewhere else. You know, like I would rather, even though it's small, see if we can find that success here and then flip him for whatever. And it's not going to be much because the corner outfield market isn't a hot commodity at the trade deadline anyways. But at least you're getting something. You know, like again, to go back, like Tony Watson wasn't having a fantastic season. And we got O'Neill Cruz now, who's a top 50 prospect in baseball. Like, you could potentially get something, um, and even though it's a long shot from him. So you play him. And also the thing to this as well is, yes, Gregory Plunko does suck. Okay, I'm saying that. I'm saying he should play. I'm saying that I still want to see something. There's, I'll give every reason to watch him and bring that out. But, yes, he does suck. He sucked for a while. He's terrible out there. His arm's terrible. We know he can't run bases. That's why he's injured this latest time, right? Had to come back. Um, and, and he just can't make contact right now. It seems like right now to begin this season, the same of last year, the strikeout rate is just, it's high. He's swinging at too many things. Now he has, he has gotten a few bad calls. This is what it is right now. And again, it's five games that we're talking about. That's why a short sample we're, we're claiming the DFA him for, but he just, he hasn't looked good out there and I get it, but I'm still running him out there for those reasons. And also at the same time, who are you taking time from this whole play? The kids thing out there. Well, let the, let the future go out there. Who is Gregory Polanco blocking right now? You have Jared Oliva in, in, in Bradenton still working on just hitting specialized skills, just hitting like, the Pirates aren't willing to put him into the alternate site right now on the travel club right now. Um, after that, are, are you putting Swaggerty up here who hasn't shown anything and hasn't played in like the high majors? Like who is Gregory Polanco blocking that we, you know, we're not fortunate enough to watch now at PNC Park and right field? Yeah, I mean, at this point, there's no one who is like banging on the doors as, as somebody that needs to be um, needs to be needs to be here. Who isn't? Um, so I, I think that's, and again, you mentioned it. He was your starting right fielder going into the year Four. it was really just four games, really <laughs> four games. Doesn't change that. Okay, four um, games. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a four game stretch. If this four game stretch happened in June, no one would even be talking about Gregory Blanco right now. We wouldn't even really notice it. Right. It's just because it's the first four games of the season. That's why people are talking about it. No one notices a one for 13 stretch over four games in June. Right. Um, so in my opinion, nothing's really changed since spring training. You know, Gregory Polanco came into this year as a starting right fielder. He's going to be the starting right fielder um, for a significant period of time. I said, if this is still happening in June, then let's revisit this conversation. But again, he's played four games. Right. <laughs> like, right. I mean, like, like what if yeah. he goes seven for 14 is next 14 at bat? And it's like, what's your, what's your stance right. then? I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think that's obviously a low, uh, low risk there, or a high risk. I'm just saying that happening. Um, but it's just because he's not blocked. It would be completely different. I feel as you know, if there was an Andrew McCutcheon waiting there, you know, and it's he's not here because Gregory Polanco. To me, that's different. You know what? At that case, move on. Let's get Kutch up here. Let's get this thing going. But th there's no one he's blocked. Like, if Gregory Polanco right now was a middle infielder, that would be completely different. You know? He's, he's not in this club. He's nowhere near the, the level of talent needs to be. It is what it is. But he's a right fielder. There's no one, you know, that he's blocking to get here. So it's safe. It's comfortable to let him go out there and see what he can do and then see if you can trade him. And you are right. Like, at this point in time, no. But I'm not saying, like, he's he has to be on this club to the – 
the very last day on October 3rd. If it is June 1st and he's batting 180, that, you're right. Like There's no potential of a trade at this point because even if he catches fire in June, clubs aren't going to buy that. Like Clubs aren't going to give something of value for Gregory Polanco. There's going to be enough corner outfielders, enough guys that can fill in that role to give something up for. So, like, yes, if it's June 1st, to me, like that's the measuring stick. Let, at June 1st is when you make that decision. If he is not cutting it, you DFM because at that point in time, too, you're a month into AAA, uh, minor league you know, systems and such. Maybe, maybe Swagger is ready at that point in time. Hey, we have it over and under. You, you've said that Swagger is going to have a lot of innings this year. I think Tyler's on board with it as well. And maybe that's what's going to happen. It's at the expense of Gregory Polanco because on June 1st, he's batting 180. And at that point in time, I'm good with it. It's done. The experiment to me is completely over. Some cost. You've already paid. DFA him. Move on. But at that point in time is when you probably have someone who's earned the rights and has the ability to go ahead and, and play in right field. This point in time, no. Yeah, I think Gregory Polanco just gets he just gets picked on, you know, and, and, and I, it's, it's understandable why, um, you know, he, he's been a frustrating player. Right. But I mean, why, why isn't there this outrage for Anthony Alford? Anthony Alford hasn't gotten a hit yet this year. So like, where's, where's the Anthony Alford outrage, right? Kwango has been, been better than Alford. So it, it, it again, it's, it's just cause it's Polanco. He's, He's kind of in the spotlight, and, and you know he just gets us frustrated from time to time. Um, but again, it's four games. Calm down a little bit. <laughs> give them give them a little bit more time to, you know, before we bring out the pitchforks here. Right. Yeah, I get that, and I'll say this: like I, I totally understand the frustration as well. I'm not telling you not to be frustrated no. or get right. pissed off about Gregory Polanco. Like I get it. Be continue to be as pissed off as Gregor Plunk as you are right now. I mean, it's well deserved, but yeah. the correct answer is is not getting rid of him right now. It, it, it just isn't. It just isn't. And I'm sorry to tell you that it just isn't. And this club, again, as we started the show off, while you mentioned it, this club isn't good. They're showing you it's not good. So get any any type of expectations that we want to see winning. Um, it just ain't going to happen. I mean, yeah, you want to see winning, but it's not going to happen. So what's best for the club? And the direction that it's going. What's best is you play Gregor Polanco to June 1st, see what he has. If there's something there, you keep playing him to try to trade him. Trade a line of passes. If if that's the thing too, if Gregor Polanco isn't traded and it's it's August 1st now, it's still over. It's done. Like at that point in time, he's a bench guy and you get swagger there. Like you get whomever there that can play. Oliva, you know, whatever. Um it's over then. There's no point. But at this point in time, the correct take is you play Gregory Polanco. And I'm sorry you have to watch it, but you have to watch it. You're already watching the rest of the Pirates play. Like this team is – you're watching terrible play everywhere else. You know, you keep seeing Adam Frazier make mishandled plays at second base. You can watch Gregor Polanco strike out as well. So just is what it is. All right. I think we're wrapped up here. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we leave? I think we're good. Are you going to the game tonight? That's all. I'm not going to the game today. It's a day game Good. today. Oh, um, right. So um, I actually debated on like staying in Cincinnati last night and Ew. getting the game up today, but yeah. um, decided against that. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yep. The one and four Pirates take on the four and one Reds. It's cool versus Castillo. Clearly cool is the better pitcher. So we'll get a win here. All right. Well, well, then we'll catch you uh, tomorrow uh, on, uh, I was going to say SNL, on NS9 Live. <laughs> Just as funny as SNL. So we'll see you then. Right, right. All right. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. See, see you guys.